Welcome to Christian Disappointment. In this episode, I'm chatting to Joseph about his crush on Naomi Wolf. I've I've tried to do the introduction for this once already and it turned to a hot mess, so we'll see how it goes. I'm going to be reading quite a bit of stuff because I think this episode demonstrates the the limit of my ability as a host and um, maybe even, if we're going to be a bit grand, the importance of journalists and reporters because... I am not up to snuff because uh, I guess it's almost like we're entering into um, I don't know the future Michael Gove wanted where we've got rid of the experts instead you're just left with me just talking crap so um, the reason why that's important is because of Naomi Wolf we don't speak about her a great deal in the episode but we sort of tangent off uh, connecting issues to her so I'm just going to read out from Wikipedia there uh, her bio I guess So she is a liberal, progressive American author, journalist, feminist, and former political advisor to Al Gore and Bill Clinton. Wolf first came to prominence in 1991 as the author of The Beauty Myth. And the basic premise of The Beauty Myth, this is all stuff from Wikipedia, is that as the social power and prominence of women have increased, the pressure they feel to adhere to unrealistic social standards of physical beauty has also grown stronger because of commercial influences on the mass media. This pressure leads to unhealthy behaviours by women and a preoccupation with appearance in both sexes as it compromises the ability of women to be effective in and accepted by society. So that was The Beauty Myth from 1981. She has since written other books, including the best-selling book The End of America in 2007 and her latest Vagina, A New Biography. Sorry, is this really dull me just reading this out? I don't know. Um, I think... I'm going to continue. Uh, Her journalism career began in 1995 and has included topics such as abortion, the Occupy Wall Street movement, Edward Snowden and ISIS. She's written in venues such as The Nation, The New Republic, The Guardian and The Huffington Post. However, Wolf's more recent work has inspired controversy across the political spectrum. Writers in such varied venues as Salon.com, Alternet, Mother Jones, The Atlantic, National Review, and The American Spectator have criticised many of her latest journalistic efforts as both conspiratorial and overblown. Um, These more recent issues, I guess, come up in this conversation, one of which is geoengineering, which I'm, I'm not familiar with, and I guess a branch of that, which is chemtrails. Um, so contrails are like the, the white condensation that you see outside the back of planes, those lines in the sky. But then there's a theory surrounding them called about chemtrails. In the interview, I mentioned a Greenpeace, Greenpeace's perspective. Um, but I think I misrepresented that as well. So I'm going to read that here. So this is all from, um, Greenpeace. They say that the Oxford English Dictionary defines a chemtrail as a visible trail left in the sky by an aircraft and believed by some to consist of chemical or biological agents released as part of a covert operation rather than the condensed water of a vapour trail. Wikipedia says, according to the chemtrail conspiracy theory, long-lasting trails left in the sky by high-flying aircraft are chemical or biological agents deliberately sprayed for sinister purposes undisclosed to the general public. Greenpeace have not seen sufficient evidence to justify further investigation into whether this is a real problem. As far as we are concerned, chemtrails are an urban myth, a conspiracy theory with no conspiracy. We are aware of various vaguely similar, but confirmed phenomena. And then they give the definitions of these, so I'll put the link in the description if people are interested. But these are carbon emissions, cloud seeding, geoengineering, and HARP, the High Frequency Active Oral Research Program. What we would require 
in order to consider research in this alleged conspiracy would be one of two things, either clear statements from appropriate experts such as professors of atmospheric physics, fluid dynamics or aeronautical engineering, explaining how they determined that these apparent contrails are not in fact contrails but chemtrails, or alternatively, clear statements from aviation workers detailing their experiences fitting, refilling and operating the systems used to disperse the chemicals from the planes. As there are literally millions of people working in the aviation industry around the world, many of whom are fairly low paid, the chances of them keeping something like this quiet are fairly minimal, if it's really happening. Um, yeah, and that's, I guess, my concern, because I am not a professor of atmospheric physics, fluid dynamics, or aeronautical engineering. If someone says something to me about a theory around chemtrails or geoengineering, I am not able to say, that's bollocks that's in part true or that's completely true and as a result I can only sit there and nod my head really so um that's the failing that I'm talking about well Greenpeace go on to say I'm going to read it all out now because I'm just sitting here now if you would like to communicate with Greenpeace about chemtrails as described in the OED or Wikipedia please wait until you have what we would regard as evidence statements from either properly qualified academics or appropriately experienced aviation workers supporting your concerns Please do not assume that a YouTube video or blog which convinced you will convince us. We've already seen them, and we weren't convinced. Please do not think that accusing us of being part of the chemtrail conspiracy will change our minds. We're constantly accused by governments and security services of being in the pay of other governments and security services. It hasn't changed the way we work, and is unlikely to do so in the future. Greenpeace require a reliable evidence base before campaigning on any issue. So far, we haven't seen any evidence supporting the chemtrails hypothesis. <sighs> well, um... This is a really long introduction. Um, I mean, while on conspiracy theories, I do mention JFK briefly in this episode. And the perspective that I'm coming from on that was informed by episode 44 of the Adam Ruins Everything podcast with Dr. Jan Jolie. And they're talking about conspiracy theories. So um, actually, it might even be worth listening to that before listening to this, because that's kind of the perspective that I was coming into this with. And I also mentioned some, I guess controversial romantic advice and that came from episode 48 of the receipts podcast with Lonnie. so check that out as well uh finally two smaller disappointments yeah there was quite significant air conditioning in this room so i had to get rid of that on the audio i'm not sure if that's messed up the quality of the audio you'll be able to tell quite soon and this episode ended when some people tried to get into the room that we were in so there was some knocking on the door but that, it didn't appear on the mics, so um, I might I might record some noises now just to give you a, a more authentic experience. But um, I don't think that was a great introduction, but it's it's too long to record another one. So um, here's the crush. Well, I went to a friend's house recently, and I've not seen him for years. Mm. And he had this amazing bookshelf of like the most sort of intelligent kind mm. of like it was like um, essay books mm. and uh, novels, but it was it was just. I think it was a combination of him and his girlfriends, but it was so, like, I got so envious of it. Mm-hmm. And I miss that with not having tangible, like, like looking at someone's CD collection or looking at someone's DVDs. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it was such, like, a, you get such a, a sense of a person from it. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of one of the reasons why I kind of like cupboards mm-hmm. to put things in, so nobody judges you when they first come. Yeah. Um, I think Chris said something. I had no books when he first met me, but I did. They were just all in cupboards with, like, you know, doors uh-huh, rather yeah. than bookshelves. Um, so why didn't you want people to see them? 
Uh, I think it looks neater. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of like the minimal kind of look of not having like uh, a load of CDs in your living room. Mm-hmm. I think when you're when it's in your bedroom as a kid, I think it looks like a bedroom and it, like that's how it's meant to look. Yeah. But when it's in your living room, mm. it's it makes the living room look like a bedroom sometimes. Uh, okay. And I like if you saw my place, it's very <laughs> sort of. I have like objects, like a vase or a pot or some plants, or I don't have like books and magazines like uh, around mm-hmm. unless they're on a coffee table, like in a neat pile, kind of thing. <laughs> See, mm. I, like I feel like I, I um, put my books on display, but then I'll have like some that I feel like aren't mm. for public consumption, and they yeah. go, they go in the drawer. Under yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Underneath, mm-hmm. I've done that too. But I also think when people come to your place, they uh, I kind of think the same. I start stressing about like the bathroom cabinet, <laughs> so uh, because maybe they'll be like, "Oh, I wonder what they have in the bathroom cabinet." So I kind of like tailor that to. Do people to what, do that? I think they do. Okay. Yeah, but um, you can't learn a lot about what from someone what they're like. A you book. can tell if they got thrush or <laughs> or whatever. So I always kind of like put like the Trojan condom. <laughs> <laughs> <the> front, <laughs> extra large and things like that <laughs> just so they get a good impression yeah, yeah. was that um oh, was it like people who will buy like um like the shameful like tacky newspaper and then mm. and then hide it within the, the bigger within the broad yeah when they, mm. they get out of the shop yeah <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's one of the reasons why um uh, i think it was 50 shades of gray was like a bestseller on kindle because uh, people were yeah. happy to read it in public without the cover mm. being seen Oh, was it this comic library called Saga, which is like mm. a really blockbuster comic? Mm. But there's some bits I've that... never heard of it though. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you're not mm. in the comic scene, yeah, so. I know. Mm. <laughs> but it's um, some of the bits in that of like there's a giant monster who's got massive testicles, mm. and if you're just reading that casually on the tube, it's, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you do get a few um, strange looks. Yeah, <laughs> I think some people like the strange looks. I saw a guy reading like a guy to anal sex or something, yeah. but he was doing it as bold as brass, yeah. like you know, deliberately yeah. sort of thing. Well, that, that... I was like, you don't need the guy just ask me <laughs> I wrote it <laughs> a, oh, um, this comedian um, duo did this thing where they actually went on like some sort of I think it was a subway in New York and they sort of read these like the beginner's guide to rimming. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like that I've seen of, those. And you, yeah. see, you see people looking at it. Like, yeah, Why? yeah, yeah. They have it. Like, I've seen those. I th- are they kind of just like photoshopped each time though, or so. something? Yeah, I'm mm. not sure if they're real, right? Yeah, I don't, if they, they, don't think they were real. Yeah. Um, hmm. So when do we start talking about like the when you do the introduction? Well, I guess stuff? I would do mm. a beautiful segue where we're talking about books, and I would say, mm. you know, who else is writing books? Mm. Naomi Wolf. Okay. <laughs> so feel free to go to delete the part where I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> we can deconstruct yeah. it as we go along. Okay. Mm. Um, did you get into her from her books? Like, where, what was the first? Well, it's you funny saw? that you ask that because because I know that the topic of this is kind of crushes mm-hmm. or uh, what's the title of the podcast? crushing disappointment? Crushing disappointment. Yeah. Um, so mine haven't really turned into being disappointments, really, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I kind of got into Naomi Wolf via a crush. Uh-huh. So it was probably like early 2000s when I was like uh, sort of perusing gay dating sites like all day, every day. <laughs> and um, there's one where, I mean, they're all kind of the same. You kind of, it sounds so basic and so pathetic, but you, you see somebody that you like, you, you say hi, if they rub by back, you kind of swap compliments. They uh-huh. might live five miles away they might live five thousand miles away Mm -hmm. so you kind of know what you're getting into sort of thing but um there was one uh guy who um was living in california and um we after we swapped the kind of the compliments you're you're, um, you're living in the uk at this point oh yeah 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 okay Mm -hmm. yeah like early 2000s and um 
we swapped compliments and then uh, we decided talking about other stuff and he kind of I don't know what how he kind of got onto Naomi Wolf but I do remember him sending me a video and um sort of the video was her talking about false flags mm-hmm. and I was like oh my god like fucking hell I thought there was just one big one called 9/11 I didn't realize there was loads of them Wait, what are false flags I'm not heard that <laughs> <laughs> okay um Basically, there was a video that he sent me and this guy said to her in one of her talks, he, he asked her about a particular big event and said, that looked like a false flag to me. And she said, oh, I haven't looked into it, but it's important to look into it because a lot of the times they are. And basically a false flag, um, it comes from when, um, I think historically it was when ships would like attack each other, but they would raise the false flag of the opponent. So like um, if it was like America and Japan, for example, mm-hmm. America would raise the J- Japanese flag, bomb themselves, blame Japan, and then they could start a war with them. Okay. So it comes from that. So these days it, it refers to um, governments doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, so she, anyway, she was talking about that. So I kind of bypassed all of her sort of feminist novels and mm-hmm. uh, not novels, sorry, uh, books mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. I knew that she existed, but didn't sort of pay much attention to them. Yeah. Um, so I got into her through the kind of stuff that I was more interested in anyway. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of not my, that's not me saying that I don't respect any of the kind of the feminist stuff that mm-hmm. she talks about. Um, it's just, I don't think your topics choose you sometimes. Yeah, I think yeah. that you, I don't think you choose your topics. I think they choose you yeah, definitely. sometimes. Like mm. when you said Naomi before, I wasn't familiar with mm. her and it was the sort of things that link into what I was interested in was, was things more like mm. the beauty myth. And that was kind right. of where I was. Mm. So I, I sort of bought that sort of for my reading and sort of yeah. the American one would be more linked into what you would yeah. read into. Yeah, so she's kind of like split. And I, I, I've, I've read The Beauty Myth ages ago. I probably went for the abridged version <laughs> just yeah. to skim it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more the, um, the sort of the political stuff that I'm into mm. from her. So I haven't read the book Vagina, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do kind of feel like if I were to, I would probably be like, yeah, I agree with that. Because <laughs> yeah. I just like her. And I think that happens sometimes when you like someone, you kind of start to sort of, um, you respect what they say generally. Yeah, I definitely. Guess. It, this is one of the things that I was thinking mm. of. Because so Naomi Wolf, her sort of, is seen as being one of, like, I think, the founders of like third wave feminism. That's one of her big titles of the beauty myth. But then her more contemporary stuff has been deemed more controversial and in a lot mm. of places has been criticised. You've got a I found it very difficult Googling her to sort of know where I stood because, mm. you, you know, like you say, when you've got someone whose voice you respect, you can sort of mm. go from there. But I didn't, I don't, I didn't know her and mm-hmm. I didn't know the people who were critiquing her even. I found right. it really difficult to know mm. where I was supposed to stand on. Like, I, I, did, yeah. I couldn't really get my bearings. Yeah, I don't think you can straight away mm-hmm. with anything like that, um, with any person or with any topic. You kind of just have to sit with them for a while yeah. and decide for yourself. And, um, I think the she did a documentary called The End of America based on the book. And it's so well researched. Mm-hmm. It's so well put together. It's so well written. And the video, the documentary that she made is the same. And um, if that's the level of sort of detail that she goes into for everything else that she does, then I think that she's respectable and well thought and well researched yeah. and s- stuff. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not going to say I put my hand on my heart and I'll take every word that she says because she wouldn't want us to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. She would always say, question me, quiz me, research me, try and catch me out. Yeah, definitely. I watched um, a bit of her Oxford Union address and I found found her really engaging. Mm. But then, like you were saying with 
how you like accept facts it's like mm. um so the beauty myth in that there's something like she gives a figure about the number of fatalities of anorexia mm. and then people did research about it and actually it seems like she was talking that the numbers that she quoted were more based on the number of sufferers of anorexia rather than oh, fatalities really? and mm. it was it was something so like she exploded it yeah so it was, right. it was something like um some guy said like to get an actual fact you need to, or an actual figure you need to like divide what she says by eight. Oh right and i thought that was quite interesting in the sense that i don't think it diminishes her mm. argument throughout that book mm. and also they were saying actually what's been the issue with that is because the beauty myth is so famous mm. in studies of anorexia in like the news mm. that's a figure that will now oh, be quoted right. and it's kind of like she might have even been like now be like oh, yeah. I fucked up like mm. that was like not, yeah. but there's always points at which like if I was reading that book I wouldn't know that mm. and I would have taken it as yeah. verbatim mm. and that's what I, I find difficult to sort of with anyone though right? yeah 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 with yeah. news yeah, in general yeah, like there's yeah. just um, there's just so much of mm. it that it's it was yeah it's like overwhelming mm. I guess to even yeah I mean I have seen her being asked questions where she doesn't know the answer and she says that yeah that's um, and at the moment she's talking about um, geoengineering and she's quite new to it mm-hmm. so she's kind of behind actually like and she knows that she's behind in her research like mm-hmm. she still hasn't like caught up with like where things are at um, but she's saying that well I'll get that I'm, yeah. d- I'm just going to continue on digging through you know my own way and um, sort of presenting what I find and not kind of reading other people's stuff mm. to sort of like inform me as in the in, in the sense that she's not um, just picking up like there's a, there's a guy called Matt Landman who's probably one of the leading guys okay. in, in geoengineering and and so I, uh, what is geoengineering? Uh, uh, geoengineering, it's, um, well, it's what they claim that they're doing to try and prevent global warming. So it's lots of different things, but one of them is, it's called, I always get the phrasing of it wrong. It's basically a stratospheric aerosol injection, which is another, just a fancier way of saying chemtrails. Uh-huh. So when you look up into the sky and a, a plane leaves a track, if, it, if that track disappears, it means it's the exhaust and it's called a contrail. But if it stays and it expands and it becomes a cloud, it's a chemtrail because it's full of chemicals okay. and particles. And um, they think that they can spray to create clouds to, and then those minute sort of, um, uh, what would they be called, nanoparticles of things like heavy metals, mm-hmm. they'll reflect the sun back up so it will prevent the, the surface of the earth from heating up. Okay. But it's really controversial. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, most most of the things I saw about it, I saw on Greenpeace's website, mm. they had something about how like they didn't think there was sufficient evidence to suggest that it was legit, mm. yeah. but that like if anyone had anything, they would listen to it. But ultimately, mm-hmm. at this point, they weren't going to proceed with that as a legitimate. Yeah. Sort of oh, that's good issue. Yeah, that's good. Um, also, like they're basically experimenting on us when they're doing it, and we haven't sort of been asked our permission for that. Like this, if to spray, you know to spray people with chemicals, which is what they're doing. Uh, we haven't given consent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they're doing it. They are, though. They've admitted it. It's who, not like... Who's, so who's they? Uh, okay, so every, like thousands and of organizations and businesses and people. like So even Nessa and um, uh, Harvard are one of the leaders in it. Bill okay. Gates is one of the leaders. Is, is this a, something that... So like the chemtrails thing is an idea mm. is not generally accepted in the scientific community. Is this something that is... 
deemed to be, or at least from my search on Wikipedia what do you mean, last sorry? night. Yeah. Um, actually, what did I get? I yeah. <laughs> Are you referring to your notes? And so I don't have any. Yeah. No, yeah. No, this <laughs> no, is. What I fine. thought this would be hard because it's. Mm. This was where I thought it was going to be difficult because yeah. it's a case of you are interested in this sort mm. of thing and you will look into it. And but I, I don't know. That's and why so, I don't really expect you to like kind of quiz or challenge or yeah. I, don't, I don't expect you to like take my word for it I can just tell you what I know yeah. but then also I don't want to sound like I'm the expert because I'm not yeah. I, I'm just interested and um, uh, and I spend like not I wouldn't say I spend like all of my time looking into this because I like so many other topics which are kind of similar in, based on corruption I guess mm-hmm. but um, this is just one of them and I mentioned it because she's new to this and she's not quite up to where some other people are Mm-hmm. And yet, if she's asked a question, she'll admit that. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of a good sign to me that she's not just trying to like bullshit us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, into just believing what she says. Definitely. Kind of thing. So, so I mean, because even this, this was my my whole. Mm. I mean, so this is just from Wikipedia. So that, who mm. know, I could have, yeah. I could maybe write this yesterday, but it was um. So a, a 2016 survey of 77 atmospheric scientists concluded that. 76 out of 77, so 98.7% of scientists that took part in the study said there was no evidence of a, and then in brackets, secret large-scale atmospheric program, SLAP. Have you heard that acronym? Is that a- SLAP, I haven't heard that, no. Um, and the data cited as evidence could be explained through other factors, such as typical contrail formation and poor data sampling hmm. instructions presented on SLAP websites. I mean, So I don't know what that is, really. Um but I do, I mean, for example, this morning, I thought, I wonder what geoengineering is in the news, because I was stood on the train the other day, and uh, someone had their newspaper open, and I'm not the kind of person to, like, look and read what they're reading, mm-hmm. but I was stood above them, and it was just kind of hard not to, like, just yeah. look down, and I could see it was it was in a proper newspaper, like a Guardian or something, and uh, there was something about geoengineering mm-hmm. there. It's not, it's like, they, they don't call it chemtrailing, because that sounds dodgy, but mm-hmm. that's what it, that's what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's definitely happening. It's yeah. the, uh, they talk about it they have conferences about it in all over the world mm. it's just a lot of people think that there's a lot well i mean i won't really get into all the other reasons about it and the other things about it because we could be here forever but mm. a they're doing it without sort of asking us and they are doing it you can quickly check that i think um and b whether it works mm-hmm. and they've been asked if it's safe and they, they refuse to answer it. So it's, it's just, it's just something that they need to be more transparent about the, the mm-hmm. fact that they're doing it and the implications. And if, it, if they're doing it for genuine, let's control the weather. I don't, A, that sounds wrong in itself. I don't think they should be trying to control the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's, I think it's a really famous video. I think it might be George W. Bush senior. He's, I think it's him, and in this really sinister speech that he gives, he's like, whoever controls the weather controls the planet. And um, it's just so, okay, they were thinking about this years ago. Yeah. Um, not really explaining myself very well. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mm. It's interesting what you say about transparency, because I, it, mm. I guess, open up a whole other mindful, but the whole, so JFK as a mm. conspiracy theory mm-hmm. is something which I think was exacerbated by the fact that the US mm. government wasn't being transparent mm. with people about that and that's mm. what sort of or at least there was a perception of that and mm. that's what sort of people want to fill in mm-hmm. the gaps and that kind of it's it, that's the point in which it becomes difficult to know what is yeah yeah yeah, right, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they try and hold things from us and then we yeah like Rockwell is it Rockwell? 
I'm not sure. The 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 UFO that crashed the yeah Rockwell right. It's like one of the first UFO um, crashes in like the fifties. Okay. And uh, I think they they the first I think it's Rockwell. I could just quickly Google it, but I knocked my phone off. But um, or Roswell is it Roswell or Rockwell? Check it and then choose the right one. <laughs> um, they something crashed and uh, the newspaper reported that it was. I'm getting this completely wrong, but it was something like. Uh, there was a big crash. People went over there. People said that they saw like uh, like some kind of weird spaceship thing. Mm-hmm. The newspaper reported that, and then they kind of redacted it the next day and changed it. And, mm. and then the government stepped in and said, "Oh, we were just testing missiles." Or and the story kept changing in the newspaper. I think, it- and so it, it triggered like a big kind yeah. of uh, sort of citizen journalist kind of. Uh, like thing where people wanted to find out for themselves, and it, it, it probably was something dodgy. It was obviously something dodgy. Otherwise, yeah. they would have just told us. I'm sh- I don't believe in UFOs, by the way. I think it's just government stuff yeah, testing. Wasn't it? Um, um, do you like? Was it Adam Curtis? Uh, I think he did yeah. a documentary where I, I can't remember the instance. I'll Google it and put mm. it in. But there was an example where he felt like the U.S. government was implying that it was, was sort of like fueling the mm. idea of UFOs because mm. they were doing testing. Yeah, oh, okay, I didn't know he said that. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I think that was part of one of his... Yeah, I watched this really... I watched so many amazing videos on YouTube, but um, there's this really amazing one where they, they kind of float this, like, object around a table, like this table in front of us, which is like a... A circle. What would you call the table? I, mean, just, I would say a circle. They have a table like this, and they have um, this mag- magnetic object, and they basically ha- have it levitate around, and they can change the height, mm-hmm. the speed, and it's basically a UFO, use, uh, uh, sort of operating from from uh, magnetic forces, mm. um, and so I think that they're testing things like that. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, let's talk about crushes a bit more because yeah. <laughs> it's a bit more fun. <laughs> yeah. And so, so this guy sent you this Naomi Wolf video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is that was like a really long time ago now, and we still like still talk and stuff. Like uh-huh. I'll probably never meet him, uh, and we both have boyfriends and stuff. Not that that would stop us. But um, <laughs> <laughs> was it, uh, I heard this quote on some podcast. It was something like, "Don't let your partner get in the way of your soulmate." Of your. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, um, but no, we, it's funny because we've never met, but we kind of uh, it's it's kind of rare to uh, talk to somebody on a on a on a gay sex site and mm. end up talking about Naomi Wolf <laughs> and stuff. But there's lots of crushes in my life that have like turned into like more than just that. I mm-hmm. think like uh, there was one from around 2007, and um. I went out with him like for a few a few times. They were they're always men basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um that I meet on like dodgy sites and um he gave me a book and I won't tell you what book it is because that will open a new tin of worms. But, um, <laughs> uh he gave me a book and uh I, and I, I never ever saw him after he gave me the book and I never ever spoke to him or saw him or anything after that book. But it was like a, it was like a life changing book. And um it, no it did. I mean now I look back at it and it was um it was just kind of like pointing me in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I, sh- I, we like Facebook friends. Do you know what I mean? But mm. I, no, I haven't, I haven't seen him after it because I was a little bit heartbroken that he didn't want to see me again. Yeah. So it was kind of a bit bitter, but also I have kind of like, I'm bit, I'm not bitter about it now, but at the time I was kind of like bitter and, um, but also I have a kind of like fond memories mm. or kind of, I'm kind of thankful to him. So I'll have to like tell him that at some point yeah, yeah. in my life. Just haven't found the time to do it <laughs> and, and say it again. It just feels a bit weird. Like ten years later, mm-hmm. by the way, you know, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I have lots of like, and then Chris, who I married, uh, was a crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I saw him, uh, I had I had a crush on him. Yeah, and um, you know that turned out all right so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that you've um, gone for crushes who are like real people because I've had no one oh, mention. Really? I mean, I guess because yeah. it's more set up as being like yeah. you talk about this this pop culture thing mm. from when you were young. Yeah, so Naomi Wolf is my intellectual crush. Yeah. Although I do, I am a like. When I, when I like someone, I am attracted to them, whether it's sexual, I don't know. But, like, when I like people, there's mm-hmm. an attraction. And it, it, it is a sort of a crush. I think, like, like a crush, I think about it, like, it can be really dark and sinister, like a stalker kind of crush. Uh-huh. Or it can be just kind of nice and playful, like you see somebody once every six months at the bus stop and you like them or you want to be friends with them and they smile and it makes your day. Like, mm-hmm. it can be so... You know, it can be two things, in my opinion, a crush. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe if you're a stalker, maybe then it's not a crush. But I think maybe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like if I was following somebody home tonight, it's not a crush. But do you know what I mean? It's um, it's sort of a crush, but yeah. like a crush gone wrong or a crush gone right kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, and I've never had a crush go wrong in that sense. Uh-huh. Like I've never followed somebody home. I mean, to, to take you on to tell you that I'm like more like, did mm. did you have pop culture crushes? Was that ever something? That uh, really was- yeah, I guess so. I mean, like pop stars and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think Tina Turner was probably my, my first crush, uh-huh. probably because I just was obsessed with her. And um, I remember being about five and like getting up like about three hours early before school just so I could watch her videos and listen to her music. Like mm-hmm. it was an obsession with her. And um. Uh, I mean, I only liked her music up, music up until about the maybe early 90s. And then after that, it goes a bit sort of like adult contemporary, kind of a bit mumsy-ish. Mm-hmm. So I liked her earlier stuff. So I kind of moved on to others. I mean, Mariah Carey was a crush. Mm. Again, though, like I was gay and I just didn't really know it. So um, I'm not sure if he was a, a sexual crush. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I ever thought of him like that. Mm-hmm. Other people probably thought that I did. Like, oh, Joseph likes Mariah. And he's a 15-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah. They probably didn't think that it was, oh, he's gay. That's why he likes her. She's uh-huh. a diva. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of pop culture crushes as well. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, since I've, since I've been gay, um, I don't think I do have so many crushes, really. Yeah. They're still on women, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. I don't have crushes on celebrity men. Yeah. I can't think of one, if I'm being honest. I know everybody kind of likes certain people. Yeah, probably I would only be into like a few kind, like a handful of porn stars. <laughs> Who I would love. Yeah, that's probably about it. Yeah. Uh, in, but nobody would know their names if I said them. Mm-hmm. Like Derek Parker. <laughs> or Rocco Steele. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't really have uh, celebrity crushes. I think a lot of my crushes come from music, though. Mm. And it is that this might be a bizarre it seems like you've got very two very different ones in that i guess porn stars mm. are all about the physical i guess yeah. unless unless do you like follow them on social media do you no, get inside because they, they just are? post they, it's just narcissistic stuff it's not like they're posting the uh you know what books they're reading or yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> if, if i do see an interview with them actually yeah, it's usually a turn off yeah it's uh, it's happened in real life as well where um maybe you've talked to somebody on uh like a, a gay app like scruff and then they add you on Facebook because mm-hmm. you, you think you're going to meet up. And then you see their Facebook and you're like, oh, my God, this is not the person I thought I was talking to. Yeah. Like, it's just a million selfies and just, uh, the, again, like a, just a narcissistic gay posting, you know, 
gym pics on yeah. on, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so, different... And then I quickly delete them and uh, say I'm moving to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but as you say, aren't there like different versions of narcissism? Because I feel like I oh, never. Yeah. But I mean, like I never did when I, I was big on Facebook. Would never do the selfies because I felt mm. that was too obviously mm. like me being into me mm-hmm. but I would carefully curate the music section and the film section and really want to try and mm. present a version of myself that people yeah, would find attractive propaganda. yeah 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 I did used to do that with MySpace uh, because MySpace was quite popular so you could choose a song to come on when mm. people logged in and it was annoying if you didn't like it and stuff um, but with Facebook, I genuinely just want to follow the people that I'm into. So if it was a, a cheesy pop singer, like I quite like Robin at the moment. You know Robin? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, like she's a pop star. She's not particularly, I mean, some so some would say she was cool, but she doesn't fit in with like a lot of the other stuff I like. Mm. I know I just talked about Mariah and Tina, but if I if, if I wanted somebody to think I was cool, I probably wouldn't add Robin. But I genu- genuinely want to know when she's got stuff out. Yeah, so yeah. I do, and I don't care. And I think that might be to do with me just being a bit older and not caring. And, mm. and I'm not really using these things anymore to try and get people, yeah. like trap them <laughs> um, <laughs> into thinking I'm cool when I'm not. Um, so I, I had this experience where I went home and I was, I was working at this beer festival and I had to mm. serve one guy who I felt like I was pretty shit to at school right. and another guy who was shit to me at school. Uh, at the same time? In front in, of each other? Um, in different times during the day. Oh, okay. And it was interesting how the guy who I was shit to actually, um, I felt I felt bad seeing him. Mm. And it why, kind of, why, were you, why were you shit to him? I just felt like I wasn't a very good friend and in mm. the way that um, I feel like at school I had a crap set of friends for a while who then... Mm didn't treat me very well and then mm. I got into a good set of friends and I was kind of like in the hierarchy quite mm. towards the top and I shat on people in the same way mm. that people had done to me that mm. had made me upset uh, it's a revenge though but not no no to different people oh, like okay. it just is a kind of I don't know it, uh, yeah it, <laughs> just I guess you know that, that whole schoolyard we are shits when we kids though yeah, even it, when we think we're not we are it was just like, I'll, I'll give you maybe <laughs> this is really going off tangent but the an example where like at school I didn't know what masturbation was and I was picked mm. on for that oh, and I remember having a really shit time about it you 18 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, like, I, mean, I you, would pick on you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> university was really hard <laughs> but then and then uh, we were I think we were swimming and this this guy was um, people were saying like, have you got pubes mm. and he was like sometimes so clearly mm. he didn't know what they were mm. talking about and those same people who'd been mocking me I went to them and I like was like haha have you heard what so and so and it was such a to divert it from you yeah, a little was, bit it was such a weird we do do there i've done so many things like that yeah you can't feel bad about it for the rest of your life you know, I, I, it, but I, I guess the fact that you, you know it now and you talk about and you say it and you know about it and you've realized it yeah some people would still continue with those behaviors and like I, even as grown-ups i mean and i guess it was um this was a different guy but with my the guy that i was friends with who i felt like i had been shit to it kind of made me feel bad and i got to a point actually later where i was actually like um i think he's entitled to not like me for forever I feel like actually to the point where I need to like get over it myself and sort of mm. let myself off the hook. Mm-hmm. But then with the guy who was shit to me, I mean, he for- he forgot who I was and I pretended that I forgot who he was. Mm. And we've had a bit of a conversation. And then I kind of went away from that feeling like freer mm. and like feel like I didn't care about him anymore. I've not mm. really thought about him in a negative mm. way. You know, when you kind of have that anger still built up from like school yeah. and like, it kind of gone. So this was a roundabout way of me saying like, you saying how you become more like, Relax, not caring mm. about what people think. Mm. I feel this is only something that I've achieved in like the last fortnight. Like, it's really like, <laughs> I, I feel like, mm. like a genuine like, weight's been mm. lifted and I'd, I feel much more content to 
yeah, I don't know, not give a shit about... No, that's not, not give a shit isn't the right phrase, but to kind of be um, content with being, not presenting a version of myself to other people, Mm, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think those things gradually happen a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think they also happen and I don't like sounding like, oh, I found someone and I'm I'm married and I'm happy and that's why I'm, you know, able to sort of be relaxed. Mm -hmm. But I think, having said that, I think that when you don't feel like you have to try and find a partner, you do relax. Yeah, I guess also, surely... When you've been with someone for so much time, mm. you could, I guess all the bullshit just kind of fade away a bit. Like you, yeah. kind of, you don't have to sort of. Mm. Well, yeah, I was putting on a massive show when I first met Chris. So <laughs> also, when we were in, the, when I was in the crush stage with him, uh-huh. like um, he would come around to my house and I would cook like the best meal I could possibly cook, <laughs> yeah. and starters and desserts <laughs> and wines and stuff. Yeah. And then moved in together, and it was like, oh god, do I have to cook for you now? Like it just yeah. changes completely. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you do hear like. Occasional shit examples where people like mm. like a, a woman who will get up before her husband and put her makeup on right. so that he never sees her like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, so yeah. that just seems like an or absolute sleeps with it on like Dolly Parton does <laughs> yeah. like it, that just seems like an absolute hell to exist in oh, where God, you feel yeah. like the, the person mm-hmm. who you're supposed to be closest to you mm. kind of let them see like you yeah. when you're not looking your best that right. just feels like suffocating I guess to be honest there was one of the things that I kind of dreaded actually was when I was ill if 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 I was ill and I was single well I would just be ill at home and nobody would know and Mm. see me ill and I wouldn't have to be switched on kind of thing Mm -hmm. and um that was one of the things that I dreaded when I thought I'd be living with someone like somebody seeing me when I wasn't my best not just visually but just more in a I can't be bothered to talk kind of thing Mm. or I'm grumpy or I'm do you know what I mean and I wasn't I thought oh if they see me when I'm grumpy and unhappy and 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 unwell will will they still like me Mm. kind of thing but you really don't care after a while. I mean, see if I can do something really clever while linking in mm. the Naomi Wolf. Because so the the beauty myth was about like how there's these images that are sold to women as to how they need to look, and mm. it's sort of I think Naomi Wolf. I might get completely wrong, but her idea was that this is essentially like formed by like the cosmetics industry, mm. like the dieting industry, like mm. um, plastic surgery, and they were sort of pumping out these images so yeah. that people would uh, feel the need to go out and buy these products. But w- go on, sorry, but I was, was going to say like. Do you, if you're feeling like if ever at a point where you had to present yourself mm. while she's clearly talking about a very specific situation for women, mm. did you ever feel a need that to kind of push or did you ever feel that you pushed that on someone else of someone else having to look a certain way or did, No, I'm not judgmental about other people's looks. Yeah. You, like a friend will turn up and say, Oh, I look so scruffy today and I don't see that. Mm-hmm. I always see it in myself. I actually I had I actually remember remember having like uh you can keep this in by the way. I remember going to a therapist and um just saying how I felt kind of nervous when I met new people and um, things like that. I'm worried. It was, and it was kind of a worry of like the way I looked yeah. a lot. And not sort of like, I think they thought that I meant like, um, oh, I feel like I need plastic surgery or I need this, that or the other. I didn't mean any of that. I just meant like just your general kind of like well-being look to mm-hmm. some extent. Like whether they think, oh, you look tired or you look dis- you're disheveled. I yeah, meant yeah. that kind of like neatness and presentation. Mm-hmm. And I, even when I was a kid, I used to like run around the like the schoolyard and like play a game and whatever. And then I'd run up to my mum if she was still there and ask her to like tuck me in <laughs> and like tidy me up and yeah. just sort my hair out kind of thing. <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, so anyway, their advice to me was, 
stop thinking about how you look and not judge people but look at them and like look at their eyes and huh. see that they've got nice eyes or look at their uh, I don't know their hair and I'm think, waiting oh, for the compliment their hair is a little <laughs> bit messy or like just don't sort of like look in like at yourself all the time yeah, and yeah. just look out and actually be a more observant mm. it really works yeah because you start to sort of just like think oh wow they've got such an interesting face or mm. such nice hair and you stop thinking about oh is my hair greasy or have I shaved my head or Okay, or is my head shiny because it's oily and yeah, yeah. things like that and it really does work and it's really nice and I use it a lot mm. I'm the, doing it now <laughs> <laughs> beautiful eyes <laughs> and this might be a bit of a tangent but because mm. I was just thinking about like school years I remember so when I um, at school there were certain girls that I found mm. attractive mm-hmm. and then uh, when I left school I remember like being on their Facebook and they're like they're good looking girls but they were, mm. I remember feeling like actually these aren't I'm not attracted to these mm. girls. I remember feeling like actually it was because they were popular at school mm. and it wasn't a yeah, case of, yeah. it was some g- gross kind of like me feeling like they had capital that I could yeah, like assume. Yeah, yeah. And My mum asked me when I was really young, as she said to me, and she, she said like, who is your favourite girl in school? Mm-hmm. I was really young and... What, what is she trying to get at? I don't know. Well, I mean, I know really. Like, who, um, I don't think she questioned whether I was gay or straight. Actually, I think okay. she just thought I was straight, kind of thing. She, that's what she told me. And um, but I remember her asking me who my favorite girl was in school, and I was too young to like know what that really meant. Mm. But I just thought, hmm, and I named her. I said Rebecca, and um, she was kind of like the pretty popular girl, and mm. I think that that's kind of what attracted me to her, mm. kind of thing. And then I remember there was like a kid in my class. And um, maybe he was like a little bit quieter or maybe a little bit smaller or something. And I just felt super protective of him. Mm-hmm. And like that was kind of a crush, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. We were toddler, like toddler age. Yeah. But I would like hug him and make sure he was okay and try and drag him into like, you know, games and stuff so mm-hmm. that he was part of it. And it was, I kind of had like a like a motherly kind of yeah. like kind of like crush on him kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because I'm just using the word crush because I think you can kind of like use it in lots of ways. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the basis of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're five or six, you don't really know what a crush is. You yeah. just, it's just like a feeling of love or some kind of feeling of, uh, not even love, perhaps, but um, uh, I can't quite get what word mm. I need. But like, yeah, it's a feeling of warmth mm. and just kind of like something. It can be lots of different things. Yeah, yeah. it's it's strange because I remember, um, I can remember very specifically being in, the, we had this little music room and it had, mm. the, you know, the wheel-in TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the most exciting thing ever when they wheeled the TV in <laughs> and then he'd watch an educational video um, on BBC Two yeah. from like the 70s originally yeah, was, but, Geordie Racer yeah mm. great one but uh, the and we had like um, two classes in each mm. academic year mm. I remember the other class walking and I remember, my, it can't be the first time I saw them I remember this girl walking and my memory of it is like in slow motion where I was just kind of like, like who is that <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and then just having like this tingly like oh, okay. I just couldn't just, and yeah I don't even know how to describe it oh wow it was interesting yeah nothing like that has ever happened but it sounds it sounds like the intro to Baywatch <laughs> <laughs> just with children yeah, <laughs> um, oh. yeah so um uh, what else did I want to say about Naomi Wolf? I think, like, I didn't really want to say too much about her, apart from the fact that she's, like, um, important because she kind of, like, led me in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like her opinions on lots of different things. Mm. And, um, well, uh, well, I'll bring it back on then, because uh, we're t- talking about social media and presenting ourselves. Mm. And I was thinking about how 
I think you and I live on almost like polar opposite versions mm. of the internet. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how... Um, we are really different. <laughs> no, we are, yeah. aren't we? And what I was going to say, in terms of social media, like I think my, most of my news is channeled through Twitter now. That's mm. where I get it all. And meeting you was such a clear example of someone who... It made me clear how I live in a bubble mm. because... And I do too. Yeah, mm. just because it's kind of... I think of my news comes from Twitter and it's like, I follow someone, they retweet mm. someone, I follow them, I follow yeah, them. And yeah, it, yeah. it builds quite a big, mm. big circle of people. Yeah. We're all kind of on the same page. Mm. And when someone from outside of that, it can always feel like you're being attacked. I think that's what people say. Yeah. And people, and that's not a good situation to be in, I guess. Yeah, no, I think there was a guy and I'm probably going to get his name completely wrong, but he wrote about it in 95 or something and his name is something like Nicholas Negrofonte mm-hmm. and he wrote about the Daily Me and the architect uh, choice architecture and um, how he said in years to come, that's exactly what we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. We'll be choosing exactly the news we want and places will be tailoring things for us as well. So when we go to a supermarket... They'll like if it's a, a hiking store, for example. They'll know how to place things at certain places that you'll want it when you see it, and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Like it'll be exemplified. So it, like Amazon basically recommending you stuff yeah. when you log in, and based on your other purchases. Um, but yeah, no, I do that too. Um, I think we all do it, unless you're just really generic about stuff, and you're just like, oh, I'll just follow the BBC and mm. um, Beyonce, or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, like the mainstream thing, I think, I, you're not quite as mainstream as that, are you, at all? Um, you, you, I, follow, I, you go off the beaten track a little bit, but within the same kind of voice. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to even know, I guess mm. I wouldn't... Because I would follow, like, Donald Trump and stuff. Just to see what he's saying. Yeah, see, but I don't even log into Twitter anymore. I, I really can't be bothered with the news anymore, really. Like this past three months, mm. I'd say I'm the least engaged I've been for maybe 10 years. Yeah, I, I feel like my thing is, like, because there's so much news as well. Mm. It's I feel like from Twitter, I have a real a surface level understanding of mm. hundreds of issues. Right. Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. not enough time for me to become an expert mm. on it. I, feel, I just find it all so overwhelming. Yeah. At this point, I'm like, I just need to cut out completely and I, yeah. just, I can't even engage with it at all and that's yeah. going to make people apathetic and then mm-hmm. which, these, these are, I almost uh, think it's deliberate yeah yeah. for us mm-hmm. they're doing it on purpose <laughs> I do yeah. um, well, it's difficult it's difficult in these um, uh, I guess heightened political times where I feel like I need where I'm like I want to be active but then I, mm. I don't I have so much information that I feel like if I make a decision I'm questioning like oh but actually two stages down the line is that the wrong decision is right. that I'm not really making any decisions, though. I'm just kind of, like, trying to absorb and listen to people's opinions on things. Mm. And I think I've gone... I've moved away... Definitely moved away from, like, the daily stuff. Mm. Like, I have no idea what happened in the UK today, really. Mm. Or, um, like, what Donald Trump said this week and things like that. I'm kind of more interested in, like... I What they call it, like, big thinking? Is that what they call it these mm. days? Or big think... Yeah, something like that. Just, like, bigger topics in general mm. and just kind of being interested in them and i talked about geoengineering like briefly i'm not an expert in it i'm mm-hmm. not going to say that i am um i'm just interested and like i barely scratched the surface myself really yeah. to um feel like i can come on a podcast and talk about <laughs> yeah. it um and with any kind of like weight to it i, I, I feel like and, I, 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 and i'm like that with a lot of things mm-hmm. too so i'm agreeing with you yeah yeah and i, I feel that like actually maybe this point where i feel like i actually need to step away from twitter mm-hmm. and actually I mean, just even like read books. Like we more, could swap like, Twitter accounts. <laughs> I mean, like, that would be so. <laughs> I, like, I, it would yeah. be like really. 
eye-opening. Because it wouldn't make sense, though, would it? Because you would, like, you, there's no context to it when you first mm. start, so... Um, and then you wouldn't know if I was following somebody because I liked them or because yeah. I hated them, or mm. maybe you would. But, but there's 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 subtle ones. There's yeah. people that I forget what this woman's name is. She posts stuff about the like like the the dreadful stuff that's happening in like Syria and um all the like the fake chemical attacks and all this kind of stuff. But then she's also kind of a bit of a Donald Trump fan, so mm-hmm. I'm like following her because I just find that interesting because mm. like he. Uh, he he um, attacked. Um, mm. I don't. So I, I don't quite get her thing, but yeah. I still follow because I find it interesting. I follow loads of people who are kind of kind of weird. I meant to loads of weird things really that I wouldn't bring up on this. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, not I don't. Yeah, not weird like bad weird. Just like alternative weird. I yeah. guess. I guess I um because I I do just follow people that I like. I don't mm. I don't populate it with with counter opinions mm. the only time when i do see those is when someone from my feed retweets it and then you know when the, you mm. retweet it but quote it so you right. sort of and i almost feel like i got to a point where i would read the uh, original tweet and then not even consider how i thought about it before i read that person's opinion and then that would right. i would sort of take that on board as, yeah, and then I was, yeah. I was like, that's not helpful at all like that's yeah. really not a good way to I, I kind of went through a phase of uh not reading the article reading the headline and then reading the comments to form my opinion <laughs> <laughs> or just reading the comments because they're really funny sometimes uh-huh. um there was like a condom that was being made recently and um it lasts a thousand thrusts it, st- <laughs> it stays it stays lubricated uh-huh. for a thousand thrusts and the comments were just amazing like people saying oh is it you know is it multiple use because <laughs> i need about three minutes and you know or is it like three minutes or a thousand thrusts whichever comes first or the thing it was just so many funny comments yeah. on there that i just loved and obviously i didn't really need to read the article about it yeah. <laughs> um don't use them so <laughs> never have <laughs> um oh. so um when you yeah so like um are you wrapping up with me now no oh okay no i mean okay. i mean I've, I've got nothing left so when when oh, okay. you want to wrap up we'll wrap up but oh, okay, like cool. i'm happy to chat yeah oh, okay because i didn't think that i would do this um but i'm in a kind of a yes ish sort of phase mm-hmm. not like completely yes but i think i go through phases of like somebody could say i have a free ticket for the rolling stones or the beatles tonight and i would just automatically say no yeah because i just know that i'm just not in the mood for anything and at the moment i'm saying yes to like lots of different bits and pieces Mm. um like just a little bit more than i I normally would do you think that's been beneficial do you Mm. feel do you feel better happier from having done that or do you feel i think i'm probably happier and that's why i'm doing it yeah I don't know. Yeah, I I think a few kind of I don't know. A few things have made me a little bit happier lately, um, but also like it takes me out of my comfort zone to like mm. do this. I feel, actually, may, this might be a nice thing to say. I feel like you, um, I've joked around with you, with you that you have no um, uh, like uh, gauge for work. Like your things that you're saying in the office are maybe inappropriate, mm. and by my like um, mm. gauge, and the, but then actually I've realised that. I spend so much of my, you spend so much of your time at work and I feel like I was like a a dialed down or like inauthentic version mm. of myself mm-hmm. and it's quite um if that's the person that you are most of the time it's it, you can feel quite suffocated I guess mm-hmm. just always putting a cap on and I do think like clearly in certain situations you need to mm-hmm. adjust your behavior based on where you are and work you can mm-hmm. uh, with y and z 
But I feel like yeah, it's, it's been a point where I've, I've actually thought, actually, maybe I can open myself up a mm. bit more and sort of allow people mm. to know what I'm doing at the weekend rather mm. than keeping that to yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're an extreme. We are extremely different in that way, aren't we? <laughs> Although I'm kind of private too. I don't like love telling people about what I get up to and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in terms of the things I say, I, I, I kind of know the, what I'm doing. I don't like, I don't, when you say I have no kind of gauge of what's inappropriate, I know exactly what <laughs> okay. I'm doing. Um, I mean, I told, I, I joked that, um, my, my boss at the moment said that her husband works from home a lot and, he, uh, it's, she, he's quite noisy in the other room and all she can hear is him <sighs> puffing and <sighs> panting. I was like, you sure he's working? <laughs> it sounds like he might not be. Um, so, and that was like on my first day. I, mean, <laughs> I joked about her husband having a wank in the kitchen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I knew that I was saying that, but that's kind of my icebreaker yeah. thing. Yeah, it would take and, me about um, four years to get to that point. Yeah, I like to go straight in with that. And when I feel like I can, I feel like I get on with someone. Mm. And I know, I think I know as well when I can't do that. Like mm. if I was sitting in the room with, you know, I was the I was the PA to the CEO, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't make that joke on my first day. I'd like to think I wouldn't, mm. but um, I got a sense that I could from my my current boss, and so I do, and I did, and it's fine, and she likes it, and she loves, and does mm-hmm. similar things to me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I could have also have gone into work with a let's be professional, let them think that I'm just you know a really good worker mm-hmm. and and push all the sort of like um personality stuff to the side because yeah. that's not what you're there for. And I could have maybe have kept that up for a little bit, and then I would have cracked. Mm-hmm. I always do. I can't mm. resist. Like, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think you can relax, though, as well, generally. I think people would like it if you did. I think you'd like it, too. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably right. Um, yeah. If but um, I think it's also, I think you quite like being the private one as well. And not just private, but the sort of just the more elusive one. It, There's something attractive about the elusive person. <laughs> no, there is. Because well, you want to know more about yeah. them and you want to know things and if 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 um i think I, I think it can really make people become obsessed with you as well though i guess uh, <laughs> I, I think when you kind of when you're so elusive and people just don't have a sense of what or who you are and mm-hmm. stuff i think it makes them more intrigued and it, it kind of it can grow a crush really yeah. from, <laughs> no it can yeah. i think and i i think i've done like not to make it sound about me but I, i'm I, I've, there's been times when I can tell that somebody's kind of into me and I've instead of being friendly I've thought ooh let's be a bit standoffish and I can see it just making it like adding fuel to the fire mm. and they want to know more and sort of get me to talk more and they and stuff um, so I, it's almost better to like lay on really <laughs> like really thick with yeah. them so that they run a mile <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just be like tell me all about you because I'm really interested <laughs> and then they'll just shut up <laughs> yeah, I think for, for me it's probably a case of uh, you create the illusion because there's nothing actually there so the illusion's more mm, exciting than the yeah thing. people do do that though yeah. yeah I don't think you're doing that I'm in my house should we wrap it up before they do bash in the door uh yeah if you want to yeah cheers for doing this oh I thanks appreciate for having it. me